Welcome. It is great to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. I want to say hello right now to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. This, also those online. Let's also give it up for our prison ministry. Thank you guys for being a part of our services today as well. Glad you guys are with us. Before I go into the message, I do want to stop and just pray for Israel right now with what's going on. They're under attack. They have had this last weekend their Pearl Harbor moment. And so just understand, um, I'll be honest with you, I don't really trust a lot of our media in America right now. Uh, For some reason, they're very anti-Semitic and very anti-Jew, which is ridiculous. And uh, America has always stood with Israel historically. And uh, I believe that we need to continue that position. And frankly, I'm a little frustrated at Washington that our leaders are not made a, a clearer stand to stand with him. And we need to let them know what we think of that, that we stand with Israel and we pray for them and we will support them and defend them. So in case you're thinking I'm just pulling this out of the thin air, I'm not. Let me show you in Genesis chapter 12, it says this, pray for Israel. And it says this, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We know that's also a prophecy that one day we'd be blessed through through Jesus, of course, who is from Israel. Psalms 122.6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. So let's pray right now. God, I pray right now, Lord, for Israel. God, I pray you'd bless them. Lord, I pray for uh, their president, the leadership, the military forces, the Mossad. I pray for every aspect of their defense strategy. I pray, God, for victory. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have always given your people victory. I pray that they would be faithful to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to defend them. God, I pray that America would stand with them. Lord, I pray that our leaders would come to their senses and recognize that this for what it is. It is pure hate. And God, I pray that they would push back the darkness. I pray for protection. I pray for these families that were abducted and these children, these adults. Lord, I pray, God, your protection over them, God. And I pray for swift justice to happen. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing with us. I also want you to know that at the end of our service during the offering time, a portion of our mission will go to literally help defend Israel. And so we have connections directly in the nation of Israel. And just know we're not just praying for Israel, we are helping them and supporting them in this battle. So I'm really honored that you're here today. I'm excited about this brand new series called When You're Going Through Hell. You know, I thought, you know, there's already a Halloween theme going on anyways, right? But the truth is, is that many of us are going through darkness. Many of us are going through struggles and pain and maybe you are suffering today. And so I'm excited to be bringing this message because I believe it's gonna give you hope to know that God can get you through your worst moments, your worst seasons. There is a God who says in the scripture, he says, I am close to the brokenhearted. So he is there for you. You are going to get hope today. Can we praise God that he gives us the strength to get through our darkest moments? He really does. There's a guy in the Bible named Job who went through all kinds of difficulties. And I mean, he just, he, he went through a season of attack, of massive pain, massive loss. And I want to study this today for the next few weeks, actually. I don't know if I'm going to spend the entire series in Job or just the next few weeks, but the Lord really brought me to this book and it really challenged me because I thought I knew what Job was about, but I realized I didn't know. I thought it was about suffering. It's actually not. And we're gonna show you what it's about at the end of today's message. But I wanna talk about his losses and how he got through the most difficult moments of his life. There are four losses that Job went through and maybe you have gone through these or are going through one of these today. They all happened to him at once, which is incredibly painful. And of course, I would not pray this on anyone, uh, but this is what happened to him. Let's just pick up in scripture, Job chapter one. 
Someone showed up at Joe's house and said this, your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. What did they basically say? They just said, your entire business just got shut down. Your entire income got wiped out all at once. So the first loss that we experience is a financial or material loss. And this is very real. If you've ever lost a job, then you know it's not only the income you lose, it's also your identity that you lose. So it's very painful if you've ever lost a job. Maybe you've lost a scholarship or the loss of income. It's, it's, a, it's a helpless feeling. So if you've ever been there where you're like, I have more bills than I can pay and I feel helpless and you may be suffering in this particular area, some financial hardships or a material loss of some sort. It says in Job chapter one, verse 18, this is probably the greatest loss he experienced. It says, your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. God, I wanna tell you as a pastor, the most difficult thing and the most honoring thing I get to do are the same. And that is to walk a family through the loss of a child. There is no greater pain than you can experience in life than losing a child. Honestly, as, as a pastor, pastor in the same church for 25 years, I've walked through multiple families that have lost a child. And I believe it's worse than losing a spouse. And I'm not suggesting losing a spouse is easy either. But losing a loved one is unbelievably painful, incredibly difficult. And I wanna warn you, if you ever have a, a friend or family who's lost a loved one, someone close to you, be really careful when you say things like, oh, I understand. No, you don't. We really don't. And, and any mother understands, it's fathers too, but I wanna especially speak to the mothers who've lost a child. You're, you're just never the same. I think it's important we acknowledge this, that when you lose a child, a part of you dies with the child. That is the truth. So I just, I just want you to understand, number one, God is there for you, but so are we. I just want you to know that you have a church family that is here for you if you're hurting. And the thing about this is that you never know when the grief is gonna hit you. Of course, at first it hits you greatly, but it comes in waves. It could be the smell of a perfume. It could be a, a picture you see, a, someone who reminds you of that child or that loved one. Just someone who, who, who just in glancing, you just kind of catch a glance and just the silhouette reminds you and just, all these emotions come crashing down. And so it's incredibly painful. So the loss of a loved one could be a pain or suffering that you're going through. It says in Job chapter two, so Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. This clearly represents a physical suffering. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you have a debilitating disease that that just medicine can help, but it can't stop. You know, I have a dear friend, one of my closest brothers and friends in Christ is Pastor Philip Borden. He's on our staff and I have watched him on our staff now, come on staff as a young single man. He, he met and married a girl on staff. They now have two children, but I've watched him lose his health from limb girdle muscular dystrophy. I just was talking with him today earlier uh, backstage in my office. We were talking for a moment and just praying with him. And, and I told him this, and I wanna, I'll tell you this about him too, that, you know, I've seen this before. I have multiple friends who are dealing with this disease. And I will tell you this, 
you can either become bitter and resentful or it can produce a godliness and an effectiveness in you like nothing else. And in the case of Pastor Philip, he may be the godliest man I know. I told him out of the limitations of that chair you are in, it produces a godliness, a wisdom and effectiveness like no other. Can we just give it up for people who deal with this? I can't even come close to the limitations that he deals with, but I do have bouts with pain. In the past, I've had difficulties with my back. There were seasons, a few seasons, I've had several surgeries. There was a couple seasons when we just couldn't get the pain to stop. And I just would wake up in pain, go to sleep in pain, couldn't sleep because of the pain. And thank God it was just short bouts. And there's a couple of weeks in particular and a couple of months actually over a season of time that were just so miserable. I told my wife, I said, if pain like this were to, were to not subside, I can understand. It's not excusable, but it's understandable why someone would say, I'm just not sure I want to live. Pain can be that debilitating. If you've ever had pain like that, you know what I'm talking about. So maybe for you today, it's a physical suffering. Or maybe like Job, it's an emotional suffering. It says in scripture, Job said this in Job chapter three, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. Maybe for you, it's a depression or a a loneliness or a hurt or resentment. Or maybe you've been victimized by someone else, what they did to you. And therefore you have emotional pain from what was done or said to you. It's very real. Job also had some emotional pain from his wife. And I'm not trying to run her down, but the the Bible does record what she said. And it was either her worst day and worst moment, or maybe this is who she was. I, I hope it wasn't who she was. But Job's wife said this to him in the middle of all this. She said, his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Like, uh, thanks, honey. I find this interesting that the devil could have taken out his wife too, but he didn't. Somehow the devil knew that maybe he was worse off with her (laughs) than without her. Ouch. It makes you stop at the spouse ask this question. Let's be honest. Let's ask this question at least. Lord, am I part of the emotional pain my spouse goes through? Am I causing it? Or in their pain, am I... Am I inflicting more pain? Am I, am I poking the scab rather than being a part of the healing? Just something we should challenge ourselves with. Say, I, I want to support my family members. I don't want to be the cause of their pain. Just something to challenge us all with. So these are the four losses and suffering that we all go through. So how do we get through this? Today I want to talk about how to get through what you are going through. There's five principles I want to teach from, from the life of Job today. And then next week, we're going to talk about uh, the one thing Job did to stem the tide, to turn the corner emotionally and to turn the corner circumstantially. Like how did he get through to where the suffering ended and he began to receive blessing again? There's one key to that. Next week is all about that. Do not miss it. You can shorten your suffering. Isn't that great to know? You can actually tighten it up to where it's like, let, God could give me a fast pass through this, right? There's a way to do that. We're going to talk about that next week. But today, let's talk about the five things we can do to get through what we're going through. The first thing we see is Job chapter six. Job is very honest. This is what he says. I wish my suffering could be weighed and my misery put on scales. My sadness will be heavier than the sand of the seas. No wonder my words seem careless. 
I love the honesty here. He basically said, I've said things I regret. Can I just speak to you right now with, with just total candor as a pastor? I want to tell you right now, I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd and all that, but I'm also just a guy, just a dude. And I have had moments where I have said many things to my wife, to my children that I straight up regret, that I would be embarrassed for you to hear that I said. And can we be honest that we say things we don't really mean? I just want to tell you that Job was a godly man, a man of great integrity. He walked with God. God was proud of his spiritual journey. He pointed him out as, as, a, as an example of, of who honored God. And yet Job said, man, I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. So I want to encourage you to give yourself some grace and give those close to you that you love some grace that sometimes we say things that we mean out of emotion that we don't really mean though. It's just our emotions speaking. So I just, I just want to warn you not to park on one word or one phrase or one conversation or one day's worth of conversations that your spouse or your child or your mother, or your father said, they probably were just emotions coming out. They probably, please don't take that picture and say, this is what they think of me. That's not fair to any of us. Does that make sense? So let's have grace for ourselves and for others to say that we do say careless things. And of course, if you've done that, and I've certainly done it, by all means, go and apologize. By all means, say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But it is hard because it's like the toothpaste. You can't, you can't put it back in the tube once it's out. But you can admit that this is emotions coming out. I don't really mean that. So I think it's important to know. But we have to do this. And this is what Job is doing. He's admitting that he's hurting. Job was all over the place. One day he's cussing. One day he's crying. One day he's sad and doesn't say a word. The next day he just wants to go chop wood or, you know, kill something. I mean, this is, you're all over the place. And so one day he wants to kick the dog, which is inappropriate. One day he wants to say things are inappropriate. I mean, he's just, you, you, have you ever been there where you're just, you're doing this. You're just, you're all, you just, you can't even control your emotions. You're everywhere. It's just, it all happened at once for Job. And we've all been in this moment that none of us, of course, are proud of. But I just want to encourage you, if you're hurting today, please hear my heart. If you are struggling, I want you to hear this. In your slobbery mess, ugly cry, which we've all had that moment, if you get quiet enough, you will hear God crying with you. He feels what you feel. He's been where you are. So I just want to encourage you, you feel betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. The Bible says Jesus was a man of great sorrow. We forget this part of who he is, but, but he feels your pain. He understands what you're going through. So let's first admit that we're hurting. You can stuff it down if you want, but it won't, it won't last. It'll come up later. So we have to be willing to admit that we're hurting. The second thing is a really practical thing I want to encourage you to do. That's call on your friends for help. Don't be afraid to do that. It says in Job chapter two, when Job's three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out to sympathize with him and to comfort him. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Can I give you some great insight on this? When you don't know what to say to someone, don't. It's okay. You don't have to have words. And so it's okay just to say, I don't know what to say. Then just take the meal over there. Just, just go in the house and you know what? Do what you do your house. Just pick up the house a little bit. Mow the lawn. Say, you know, let me go get the kids. You, you stay here. I got it. Just be there to help out. Does that make sense? You don't have to have the words. It's okay. 
Let me just encourage you that sometimes we just need someone present with us. It's okay to call someone and say, I just need you on the phone with me. I just need you to get, you know, can, can, can we get lunch? Can you get break? Can you just come by? It's okay to admit that you need someone there for you. And can I tell you one of the best things you could do to create a shock absorber for your life is to get in a life group before you need it. Because you will one day need it. We all hit hard times. This is the power of having some great Christian friends to love you, support you, be there for you, and you can be there for them. Can we just give it up for our life group ministry here at Church Unlimited? That is the lifeblood of this church. Just the other day, I went to see a good friend in the hospital and I walked in, someone was already there from his group. I was late to the game and people had already been, I was like, he was like, oh, Pastor Bill, thanks for coming by. Basically he was saying like, you didn't have to come by, I've already had a string of people coming in. I love that. That's the way it should be. So I just want to encourage you to be there for one another. And when people say to me, where is God in all this? In all this pain, I always tell them, in the Christians all around you helping you right now. That's where God is in all this. So he is there to help you. Call on your friends for help. And then Job says something that is so remarkable, so shockingly positive in the middle of losing everything he held dear. This is what he said. Job 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Wow. What does this mean? Cling to your faith and hope in God. Rather than shaking his fist at God, he opened his hand to God and said, God, even if you take everything away, I still love you. I mean, this, this is such an example of maturity. But nothing matures you more than choosing to be faithful when it feels like God is faithless, even though he's not. And so he chose to honor God anyways. I was in seminary. My wife and I, we, we got married our last year of college. And, and after that, all my friends and I, we all kind of graduated at the same time. They went off and got jobs and I didn't. I went to seminary and so I was still broke, you know, and could have been making money then, but no, I, I wanted to get through school and, and I wanted to, you know, I, God had put in my heart to one day plant a church and, you know, here we are today, but, but we were broke and my wife was teaching school, just paying the bills, covering things for me while, while I was trying to get through school and, and all my wife wanted, all Jessica wanted was to have children. That, that's, that, that, she just told me that is my purpose. I, I, I want to be a mom. And she's an incredible mom, by the way. She moms, she's like a mother to this whole church now too. It's beautiful. But all she wanted was a child. We got pregnant. We, we kind of timed it to try to get pregnant to where we, you know, right when I finished up seminary, we'd have the baby. We're so excited. I'm off at school one day and she calls me. She says, hey, I need you to get home. I was like, what's going on? She says, I don't feel good. My stomach, I'm cramping. And she calls me back. I'm spotting. I'm like, what? We call the doctor. The doctor says, get to the hospital right now. We go up to the hospital. They take us in this room. They're, they're checking her out. Um, and as they're doing that, they're trying to hear a heartbeat. I'm in there and they're waiting for the doctor to come in. And the lady is trying to hear the heartbeat. You know, they're doing the sonogram. And, and I kept saying, could you try again? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. T turn this way. And turn that way. And she was like, okay. And she's writing stuff on charge. I said, what are you writing down? What's going on? Did you hear the heartbeat? She said, not yet. Not, I'm still looking. She kept looking. And I said, try again. She was about to leave the room. I said, no, 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 no. One more time. No, 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 no. Try again. At this point, my wife is crying. And I said, no, no. What, what'd you find? She said, the doctor will come in. I said, no, I don't want to wait for the doctor. What'd you find? She just said, I'm sorry. My wife is crying. And I'm sitting here. And as a husband, I just, I want to fix it. 
and I can't fix this. We go home and next morning we had to come back up and they removed the baby and I, I go to seminary and, you know, word kind of got out and the, the class they prayed for me was very nice and, and that was great. But what wasn't so great is the guys that are in their theology degree that are trying to tell me why this happened. And I really wanted to theologically explain to them why I was going to punch them in the face. <laughs> because people really don't like pat answers in that moment. I was driving home and I got mad. I'm driving home on the highway, speeding, being a little reckless. I realized I was doing, I pulled over on the highway, cars whizzing by, put it in park and I just yelled at God and I was so mad. I said, God, I'm broke, I'm tired. All my wife wants is a baby. We are literally giving our lives to you and you can't give her this one thing. It's all she wants. She just wants a child. We prayed, where were you? Why did you let our child die? And in that prayer, I'll never forget God speaking to me when he said, well, I'm in the same place I was when you lost your child, when I gave my child for you. I called my best friend and he said, I get it, man. I was so mad. I was just yelling. I said, this isn't fair. I'm giving my life to God. I'm trying, we're devoted to him. This makes no sense. And I'd love to tell you today that I have a great reason now. I'd love to tell you, oh, here, here's why God did that. But is there really a reason that would satisfy you? Could someone say, oh, here's why your child died that you go, oh, I'm cool with it now. So I've learned that there's just some things you're not going to get the answer for on this side of heaven. But one day, I'm going to walk through those golden gates and there's going to be a, a boy or girl, I don't know, that's going to look a lot like me. That's going to walk up to me. And I'm going to get to say, I finally wanted to, I finally get to meet you. And I'll get to meet our first child. I don't have a why, but I've learned to trust God anyways. That he is there for you in your pain. Amen. Job put it way better than I could. He said, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? See, I think we think there's a contract. I mean, I know I've fallen for this. I thought, surely, you know, you didn't keep your end of the deal, God. I love you. I'm serving you. I'm dedicated to you. I mean, I'm even tithing to you. And, and, and you let bad stuff happen. But then I began to look and I was like, wait a minute. You know what? Moses was following God and he couldn't get his brother and sister to, to listen to him. And David was following the Lord and his family was a total mess. His son, you know, betrayed him. His other son raped his daughter. I mean, total mess. I mean, I mean he followed the Lord. I mean, I mean, Paul in the New Testament, you know, it says here that, that he asked God to remove the thorn in his side and God said, no. And he was faithful to God. and He kept being thrown in jail for no reason. And yet God let that continue to happen. And then it dawned on me. There's no contract. There, he didn't sign that agreement that we want him to sign. 
In fact, this is what he actually said. He said, in this trouble, in this world, you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. So he never agreed that you won't have problems and suffering. He said, I'll be with you through your problems and suffering. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's what he says. So there's no contract. I wish there was. Believe me, I would sign it in a second. But there isn't. So number four, you got to let God reshape your perspective. In Exodus chapter 20, it speaks of anointing oil. We know in the Old Testament, anointing oil was literally oil that they mixed this concoction with and they would pour it over the priest's head and it would anoint him with power to do God's work. We know that in the Old Testament, it's oil. In the New Testament, it's the Holy Spirit that's represented by the oil. But I don't know if you knew what the ingredients of the oil in Exodus 20 actually were. I'd like to read the ingredients to you. The ingredients in Exodus 20 that makes the anointing oil, the power behind your ministry, the, you know, because I said, God, please, please give our ministry power to be able to impact the world, to change lives. Here is the combination, the ingredients of that power, the anointing oil. It's cassia, calamus, cinnamon, myrrh, and olive oil. Did you know that 50% of the oil mixed into the ingredients was sweet ingredients, but 50% was bitter ingredients. I didn't know this when I said, oh God, make me a godly man. God, fill my life with your power. Anoint me to do your work. God said, okay, that's what you asked. And so I'm gonna stir it in because the real anointing in my ministry has not come from good times. It's come from betrayal, Pain, difficulty, disappointment. He mixes all that together to give the anointing to this ministry. The power of your life does not come from sweet moments. It comes from the blessing of pain. Pain is a gift that nobody wants, but it's still a gift the anointing in your life, the power comes from the pain. Let God reshape your perspective. And the last thing I want to do is I want to go back to the very first scripture in Job. I kind of stole the front of this because I wanted to bring some truth to you because here's what I learned from Job chapter one and two. The book of Job is not actually about suffering. It's not. I thought that's what it was. Honestly, I was like, oh, I, I thought I had this book figured out. Boy, was I wrong. Been studying the Bible for 30 something years and totally missed it. But the devil gives away what the truth is. Sometimes the devil tips his hands too much and shows you what's really going on. You see, the devil showed up to talk to God in the heavenly court and God just was bragging on Job. He's like, have you seen my, my servant Job? He's honoring me, he loves me, he's serving me, he's such a great guy. And this is what the devil said. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear you. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. He said, he will flip you off, God. You take away all the blessings. We forget that the devil is the accuser. We think that he just accuses us. Oh no, he accuses God too. So what was the devil saying to God? The devil was saying, you're not worthy of love, God. Job doesn't love you. 
He's a paid lover. He only loves you because you dole it out. You take away the blessings and he'll turn on you. Then he says it a second time in case you missed it. Job chapter two, check it out. He says, but reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you to your face. God says, no, no, that's not, that's not Job. Satan says, you watch, he doesn't love, you're not worthy of love, God. They just love you because you give them stuff, because you bless them, because you make them rich, because you protect them. God says, okay, well, I guess I'll let you test it. And then Job passed the test. So the story of Job, is it really about our suffering? No. Here's what Job's really about. Will you pass the test of devotion in the midst of your suffering? In other words, God, I will love you. I will worship you. I will honor you even without your benefits. Will we still love him? Will we tithe if we don't get blessed from the tithe? Will we support God's work if it doesn't turn around and bless us? Will we raise our hands to God if we don't feel it? Will we continue to be faithful? Maybe you're married. Let me just give you an illustration if I can. Can you imagine if I looked at a couple that was married? These are some friends of mine right there here in the second row. If I said to them, you know what? She only loves you because you're rich. If you were broke, she'd leave you. First of all, you'd be like, that, that's not true. That's such an accusation. And I'd have to know your wife. She'd be offended deeply as she should be. She'd go, what kind of woman do you think I am? You know, I would, just, I would only be with him for his money, for his prestige. Like what kind, what kind of person, how offended would you be ladies if I said, oh, you're only with him because he's rich. You'd be like, are you serious? My wife would be terrible. She'd be like, first of all, I met Bill when he was broke. <laughs> certainly that wasn't it. I always tell her that you just, you just wanted me for my body. That's what it was. <laughs> but the truth is, is that, you know, it, it would offend you. You'd be like, it, even if you took away whatever they have, I love them for who they are, not because of some benefit I get. What do you, you think I'm some kind of prostitute? Like I'm here just to love if I'm paid? And the devil is accusing God and he's accusing you. He's saying, we'll just see if you're really in love with God. We'll test it. We'll see if you don't have all the benefits, will you stay faithful anyways? So the real issue today isn't suffering. The real issue is God, whether you bless me or take away things, whether you give or take, I love you, God, because of who you are, not because of what you give me. That's real love. And any other kind of love is not love at all. So my challenge for you today is this, whatever you're going through, and I'm not making light of your pain, I promise you. Will you be devoted to God with or without his hand of blessing? Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, your eye closed. Would you take a moment to pray? Will we pass the test of devotion? God, I don't have to be rich to love you. I don't have to be healthy to love you. I don't have to have the perfect marriage to love God. I don't have to have obedient kids to love God. I don't have to have a great income or prestige or stuff. You can take away the car and the house. Lord, I'll still love you. My income can drop and I'll still tithe. Things can go badly and I'll still show up and serve you. Lord, I don't love you 
for what you give me. I'm thankful for it, God, but I will honor you and love you without as much as I love you with your blessings. Would you be devoted to God like that? That's what he's asking. Their issue isn't suffering. We all suffer for a season. But then as we did with Job, we will come through that suffering. The good news is that Job's season was painful, but it was not that long and it did end. There is an expiration date to your suffering. Praise God. You will get through this. Will you continue to love him anyways? Even in your darkest moments. That's my question for you today. Will we be real disciples or are we simply paid lovers? Let's be true devoted disciples of Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can do so right now by praying a very simple prayer. God loved you so much, he gave his son for you. Jesus died on the cross, paying the price of your sins and for mine, and he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me across all of our campuses, those online. Just say this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you just ask Christ in your life, no one's looking around. Would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ? There are hands going up all across our church right now. Thank you, hold your hand high. Praise God, thank you. We see your hand there in Portland. Praise God, thank you. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high right here at broadcast. Thank you all the way in the front, all the way in the back. We see those hands. Thank you. Hold them high. Praise God. Don't be ashamed that you gave your life to Christ. Hold it high. Praise God. Thank you. Their hands going up all across our campuses. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. Thank you. Those online right now, if you just gave your life to Christ, just text us in the text chat. Just say, my hand's raised or click hand raised right now. We praise God for you. Those in your prison ministry, you can let us know. You can write us a letter. We'll write you back. Would you do that? Let us know if you gave your life to Christ. Father, I want to thank you for each person today that gave their life to you. Thank you, God, that we can trust in you. And thank you. The truth is, God, we come to you typically because we are suffering and we realize we need a Savior and you are there for us. You save us and you rebuild us. And we thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord, for those who just came to a saving knowledge of you today. And Lord, I pray specifically for the person today who's already a Christ follower, but they are hurting. They are suffering. May they, may they know today you love them and you will get them through this, that they are not stuck, but they will continue to walk through this. And thank you, God, that one day the suffering will end. Thank you, God, you are a healing God. Begin that process of healing today. Thank you for Job. Thank you for his faithfulness to you. When everyone said, oh, he won't stay with God, he did, God. And that's us too, Lord, we're gonna stick with you, Lord even if things get tough. We love you for who you are, not for your benefits. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.